A GOP poll shows the race for governor is a toss-up. Why is Mike Pence in trouble? The Indiana poll numbers in the race for president, Ivy Tech picks Sue Elsperman, and Luke Messer wades into the bathroom debate. That plus Pat McAfee's IndyCar sponsorship and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending May 20, this week, a new poll indicates the race for governor is a toss-up. The Enterprise Republicans, a splinter group founded by former Angie's List CEO Bill Osterley, commissioned the poll. Osterley chose to release it to the public, even though it contains relatively bad news for Governor Mike Pence. The poll indicates that the Republican Pence is in a real battle for re-election and that voters don't like his performance as governor to this point. In the head-to-head matchup against Democrat John Gregg, Pence leads by four, 40 to 36. But the poll conducted by GOP pollster Christine Matthews has a margin of error of 4%. It found that just 40% of voters currently approve of the job being done by Pence, 42% disapprove. Here's Megan Robertson of the Enterprise Republicans, followed by John Gregg. There's a clear problem here. Um, we have an incumbent governor who is not in a very strong position. More people disapprove of what he's been doing than approve of what he's been doing. And the majority of independents uh, want to see a new person in office. Hoosiers are following the race this time. Hoosiers know that he's not Mitch Daniels. They know that he is out of step even with the Republican Party. And um, that's to our advantage. What's behind the numbers in the race for governor? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, the Enterprise Republicans want the governor to avoid social issues. Are they the reason for, is that the reason for this poor showing? The poor showing is clearly in part related to the social issues, but it's also related to his total lack of leadership. I mean, he's not been able to do anything constructive since he's been governor. And actually, those poll numbers are a lot worse for him than they appear within the margin of error, because that oversamples Republicans. It oversamples evangelicals. It undersamples women. 12% more Republicans than Democrats. Right, and that's high. And women generally vote 55 or 56% of the electorate, and it's only 51%. So the numbers are even worse for Mike Pence um, than they appear in that poll. And it's not surprising because he has crammed these social issues that have, have ruined Indiana's reputation nationally down the throat of everybody here, and has shown absolutely no leadership. So it's not surprising people are dissatisfied with him. Numbers aside, the fact that you have Republicans 
paying for this sort of information and releasing it to the public suggests that he's got troubles with the Republican base, does it not? Um, I don't think he does. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I was at an event in Hamilton County that was for the governor and lieutenant governor, and we had all the elected officials in Hamilton County and folks from across Hamilton County, which is obviously a very strong Republican base for us, all united in supporting the governor. And, I mean, these numbers I don't think are different than other numbers we've seen. We know this is going to be a competitive race. We've always known it was going to be a competitive race. But when you think about it, the Democrats and some people in the media have been running a campaign against Governor Pence for years, and the campaign against John Gregg hasn't even started. The funniest thing that I saw was that clip about but McDaniels. The, but the campaign for John Gregg hasn't really started That's either. exactly right. But what you're talking about, this is a referendum. It's a referendum on the progress that we've made, and it will be. But for John Gregg to say about Mitch Daniels, you know what the furthest thing from Mitch Daniels is? John Gregg. If you like Mitch Pence, Daniels' actually. economic policies and fiscal management, you would not like John Gregg. No, you would not well, like Mike Pence. So the, other, the other thing that's really amazing about the new Pence commercials on there is that he wants to take credit for job development as if it's not a national trend. I understand politicians do that. But the hypocrisy of him talking about automotive increases in job employment, when, when he was in Congress, he voted against precisely saving the automotive industry, is just phenomenal. There are more right. Hoosiers working today than ever before. Not thanks before. to Mike Pence. It well, is absolutely John thanks Schwan. to Barack Obama. Pence John Schwann is. Absolutely. I'd say we have an election in the, yes. in the, uh, on the horizon, the way people are getting uh, pretty worked up. Well, I think that's right, and I think this is going to be a heck of a battle. Um, Mike Pence has problems, though. There is, if you are an incumbent governor in this state, which, as we've said many times before, is a state that tends to uh, keep re-elect. and reelect its, its statewide officials, it's not the position you'd want to be in. You know, the polling numbers in and of themselves are interesting. Uh, poll numbers are always interesting, I guess, in our business. But what I think is, is particularly telling is if you look at the do an apples-to-apples comparison with the same poll, uh, same bellwether numbers uh, about a year ago. And after, shortly after the referent Right. And, controversy. And, and what I find that uh, he had a, both in terms of approval and disapproval, both numbers in that poll a year ago were 46. Now he's at 40 and 42, respectively. So what that tells me is... People aren't as there's the wounds are not as as raw. Not they were well. well it tells healed. me though that they're not as angry because again disapprovals went from 46 down to 42. But the, so that's good news for him. Uh, okay. People are willing to forgive he's him. Also but the problem is you're not he's seen. not getting the uptick on the other side that you would want in terms of trans uh, transforming those people who were angry might have been disaffected Republican voters maybe even part of this notion of a base although I'm not sure what how you define a base anymore in this political climate, and they haven't necessarily migrated to the back to the favorable side. Should John Gregg be encouraged? Oh, I think so. I think at this point, um, with as little act- activation as he's had from his campaign, he should be encouraged. But you can't take anything for granted, and I think that we've already seen that the governor's going to be fully engaged. I mean, you can't open your email without news of what's been going on uh, economic development-wise, and clearly that's where they're going to hang their hat. I mean, Jennifer said it earlier, uh, more people working in Indiana now than ever before, but it's important to remember, too, there are more people in Indiana than there ever were before, too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how both sides play them play their hands. 
the governor's going to rely on economic development. Uh, John Gregg is going to rely on uh, desirability and social issues. And I think you're going to have a really tight race through the entire summer and into the fall because they'll both have the money to, to make their messages well, uh, I think, well I think heard. That's right. And it's more, I think John Gregg is going to talk about economic development because remember Mitch Daniel's mantra. The only thing that matters to a governor is whether real income is, is growing or not. And it's not in the, in the Mike Pence world. It's actually shrunk since he's been governor. Well, that was John Gregg's first television message. Well, when, when John Gregg was speaker, they voted for a slew of tax increases, and he opposed <laughs> with the re- business with tax the relief, Senate. the kind that with the Republican Senate. He opposed on, business Jennifer. tax relief, which governors Pence and Daniel supported, which right. are now responsible well, for one, all the economic growth. The one tax increase deficit. The one tax increase that the governor points to that John Gregg voted for was actually a tax shift. It was It was a sales tax increase. It resulted in a reduction of the property tax. Business tax relief, which later was passed by Republicans. We're going to hear about this. that's why we have job growth. We're going to hear about this for months. That same Bellwether research poll shows Todd Young with a 14-point lead over Barron Hill in the Senate race, 36 to 22. And here are the numbers in the race for president in Indiana. Donald Trump holds a nine-point advantage over Hillary Clinton here, 40 to 31. The poll found, however, that Trump trails among women voters and that significant numbers of independent voters are undecided. Jennifer Hollowell, can Trump overcome those weaknesses? Well, again, he's leading. Governor Pence is leading. Trump is leading. I think that Trump's numbers are going to grow. I really do. And voters are sick and tired of the Obama administration, and they want America to be strong. And Donald Trump is a smart, successful businessman, and and he is and he he is a smart, successful yeah, businessman. He's, he's used government to his advantage repeatedly. And his message is appealing to voters. They want to see an, an America that's not apologetic as Obama has yeah, been. Well, whatever you, whatever you think of that that forty yeah. number for Donald Trump, uh, it, the thirty one for Hillary has to well, has she didn't to be contest, a concern. She didn't, no, she didn't contest Indiana. She wasn't on the uh, airwaves for the last uh, two months like Donald Trump has been. And in, in addition to that. It, all those problems with the samples that I mentioned before apply in this race as well. I'm not concerned about that. You know, Donald Trump is not only an, a narcissistic misogynist, but he is, you know, I think he's unstable. He changes his mind from day to day about where he is on every different position. And I think voters are going to be afraid to have his finger on the button for nuclear weapons because I think he's frightening. Republican state, though, um, Hillary Clinton won a primary here in 2008. The voters here are familiar with her. Well, that's trite, but it, it does cut both ways. Um, I thought the numbers in both cases were lower than I would have anticipated. And that's a good reminder that it's a long time between now and the election. A lot of stuff has to happen. A lot of things will happen, and people will coalesce at some point later uh, in the election cycle. So I don't think you know it's determined, but clearly Trump has the uh, advantage. It's just not as big as I thought it would be at this point. Yeah, uh, for all that's going on in presidential politics in Indiana, it's an awful lot of undecided voters. That's true, and and that's maybe as it should be because it is an eternity between now and the election. We've talked about some of these same themes before. And even though it's long in any normal presidential cycle from now to Election Day, when you have so much turmoil in the world, such a volatile still economy, not to mention volatile candidates who aren't 
necessarily talking from the script as their <laughs> predecessors might have. This could thing could just yo-yo back and forth in yeah. terms of numbers. So it's I think anybody who uh, you know has determined you know this is it, nothing's changing, uh, my mind's made up. Maybe maybe be might be reassessing things uh, before yeah. well, no, people before underestimated Donald Trump in the primary, and I think they're underestimating him now. Americans want to see their paychecks grow, and they trust Donald Trump. Well, they yeah, they I trust, trust a billionaire they are who doesn't trust pay his Donald bills Trump to pay their grow the economy, to bring well, back jobs, an and to make America stronger. Yeah. He, he made a big deal out of Carrier right. uh, right. when he was here. And he here. profited uh, from it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, yeah. You, there are things like that yeah. that yeah. are going to be problematic. Or the four bankruptcies he's declared yeah. or anything so else for this successful that have already been out there. If people were going to be opposed to him, that wasn't his numbers out there before. I think the volatility that we've seen uh, in the candidate himself and in the number of issues that roll and cycle means that this is far from settled, and I'm not right. sure where it's going to end up. And, and, and it does right. underscore... And all, the old, all the old rules have been thrown out. I mean, that is what he... Sure, has but all he has rolled so far is right. the majority shows, of the right-wing Republicans. I think that's that's right. Right. In that it shows Quickly. the potency of the economic issue and the st- notion of job stability or job recovery, and that's why it's nip and tuck both in here and in Ohio and in Pennsylvania, other states yeah. where manufacturing is seen as and a Hillary risk. And Hillary Clinton does not have a message for them, and not Moving here, on. not with polls. The board of Indiana's community college system hired a new president this week, and the selection is a surprise to no one. Former Lieutenant Governor Sue Elsperman will take over as president of Ivy Tech, replacing Tom Snyder, who is retiring. Elsperman resigned from the Pence administration in March. She takes over her new duty. On July 1st. And I have so much to learn about Ivy Tech right here and what happens in the inside. And in fact, I'm going to be spending the most of the month of June doing exactly that. John Ketzenberger, is that about what Sue Elsperman knows or who she knows? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it would have been huge news if she had not gotten the uh, appointment. But that's not to diminish Sue Elsperman and her credentials. She is highly qualified for this position. She's well positioned for it, and I think she'll do very well uh, at Ivy Tech. As we've said before, Ivy Tech is at a critical position uh, because of its growth, because of the necessity of retraining, and it needs to identify its mission clearly. And I think Sue Elsperman is well positioned to be able to do that. I think she'll have a successful tenure. So if she didn't get the position, it would appear that Mike Pence couldn't arrange that uh, to happen. If she did get the position, it looks like he did arrange it. Um, it, There's not really a possibility for the governor at this point, is there? So wait, he got what he wanted, so it's a negative for him? I'm not sure you can necessarily... It's going to be a negative in some circles. Yeah. Well, I guess everything is going to be a negative in some circles. I do. It does strike me that the trustees uh, went out of their way to stress that this is it was an open... Um, appropriate search and that oh, don't laugh okay uh, I'm merely relaying their, their that's what, they said. That's, what yeah. they said that's what they said I'm sure there were he did write a four page uh, letter of recommendation that's a pretty darn long letter of recommendation yeah. he wanted I, to write even, the governor's office yeah. but, but you know look the, the reason I think this makes sense is she does have strong ties not only to the general assembly but to other uh, entities within state government part right. of the apparatus and the reason that's more important than it even would be most for, notably say, the governor right but I'm, let's say it's more important than it might be for Purdue or Ball State or yeah. Indiana is that look at how much what percentage of that base funding comes from the state, whereas it's 25 percent roughly at right. some of the research institutions here it's 50 percent, and the General Assembly is vested in in, I, right. in uh, Ivy Tech in a way that they might not be the other institutions. 
Sue Elsperin is immensely qualified. I'm very what, happy what for you, her to have this yeah, opportunity. I, nobody's disputing her qualifications, but was this selection process a charade? No, I don't think so. I think it was very open. A lot of people went through it. I didn't hear any complaints from anyone about the process. I know someone who was part of that. And, I mean, she's incredibly qualified, and it's wonderful for her, but it's also really great for Indiana that she is going to apply all of her knowledge in workforce development and is going to help train and better prepare the people for the jobs that Governor Pence has brought to Indiana. <laughs> That's stacking the shelves and calling on the phone. I, I think she's a great choice. I really do. I think she's very qualified for the position. I think it was handled about as poorly as it could possibly be handled. I mean, they could have done it. They could have done it to allow her to finish her term and hold it open and then give it to her and get her out of that office, and which she clearly, wanted, she clearly wanted to be out of that office. Instead, he used it as an excuse to push her out the door and hire his attack dog. And I just think it, it reflects, it not only reflects badly on the governor, I think it does put a taint on her uh, appointment, which is unfortunate. See, it's a compliment to Eric Holcomb that they are so afraid of him. Moving on, Indiana Congressman Luke Messer is wading into the bathroom debate. The Obama administration is telling public schools that students should be able to use the bathroom of their choice regardless of gender. At least that's the way Messer interprets it. And so Messer, a Republican from Shelbyville, has filed a bill that would allow bathroom policies to be made at a local level. It would also prevent the federal government from punishing a school district by withholding federal funds if that district fails to follow the administration guidelines. First, I'm a father, and I don't think this social experiment should start in the elementary school bathrooms of our nation. And secondly, I believe in our local schools. We can certainly reach solutions here that protect everybody's dignity and their privacy, but we don't need a federal government bathroom police. John Schwannis, can he win that fight? Uh, again, it depends on how you define victory, it, because part of it, can he get a legal victory in terms of having the legislation enacted withstand a, override, uh, withstand a veto? No, probably not. But if the definition is framed around public relations and what probably motivates and appeals to his constituency, well, You're then you it's, could, po it's popular in his district. Well, again, it's... Here's an example. It's, when Mike yeah. Pence, no, when Mike Pence with the Syrian right. refugees and so forth, that was a that was a non-starter in terms of the legalities of it, and the right. courts dispensed with it fairly quickly. This may be as well, but it still probably made some Hoosiers in the case of Pence and in the case of Luke Messer say, "This is the opinion that matches mine." I'm glad somebody's oh. doing trying to do something. So it's about good it. politically, is what you're saying. There, okay. But they're two different so, things. So right, um, there's a school district in Florida that recently passed a, a policy that Messer would agree with, and the ACLU sued. So I mean, it's because civil rights law will not allow that to happen. Um, it's pretty well settled. I know it's a relatively new uh, arena, so to speak, but. Um, that's what's wrong with politics right now, and that's why I think people have gotten frustrated and why people like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are receiving the, the uh, support that they apparently are. Uh, it's because politics and the, you know, the, the show has become more important than actually the policy. And, you know, one should follow the other, but it shouldn't be the politics that drives the policy. It should be policy at first. And, you know, these kinds of things, while maybe popular, are not good policy because the courts have settled the question. If you want to change these things, then introduce laws and go through the process and then make it happen. But, and this is something that both sides do regularly, and that is use the political theater to advance their position and try to anger or outrage the, yeah. uh, the, the voters 
and then capitalize on that. That's not a good way to run the country. But again, we're, we're, we're into the social issues. Yeah, and I expected more from Luke Messer. I, you know, I thought of him as a more moderate uh, and responsible state uh, uh, congressman. And the irony of this is, of course, that the original local ordinance that triggered the North Carolina response allowed transgender use of the bathrooms. So if we're going to follow this, then it's going to be permitted. And then the Republicans declared another social uh, contract here and another war on this. And you're right. All it does is divide and, and stoke hatred. But what's happening here is that they're scared to death of the right wing of their own party. Because what happens is, you know, you get a, an incumbent uh, senator in Connie Lawson's district who loses, who now puts out, the, the, his, the new Republican candidate puts out pro-Nazi literature. Okay? That's what they're afraid of on the right. So they go so far to the right to appease that beast out there that they can no longer control. Is this political? Is this prim his actions primarily political? I think that the president's action is political, and I do think that it's a massive law? overreach. And this is a new conversation, and I think it's one that parents and school boards and administrators deserve to be a part of and have a thoughtful discussion and that it should be at the local level and it should be decided that. The president is so eager to yank America to the left that he's overstepping and he that's I think exactly what we've seen the civil rights here. laws of the right. state of the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. Time that's out. overreaching he's by Republicans. to change something. This was not the status feedback. quo. Each week we pose an unscientific poll question online in conjunction with our Ice Miller and email text alerts. This week's question, who should determine school bathroom policies. Your choices are A, the federal government, B, the state government, C, school boards, or D, leave well enough alone. Last week's question, why is Mike Pence conducting campaign rallies so early? 10% said it makes sense. 77% said he's running scared. 13% said because he can. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Now to social media in the race for governor. The Mike Pence campaign tries to send out a tweet every hour. It does three Facebook posts a day. The John Gregg campaign is less rigid, but just as active on social media. The governor has a bigger social media reach with more than 10,000 followers on Twitter. That's about double the reach of the Gregg campaign on Facebook. Mike Pence has almost 140 thousand likes. John Gregg has about 33,000. Each campaign has a social media director and multiple staff members contributing to an effort that is considered a mandatory element of a modern campaign. However, they might dispute the importance of social media. Here's Caroline McKinney of the Pence campaign. It's naive to think that Twitter and Facebook are going to make or break your campaign. I mean, it's all about the message. I saw a recent uh, survey that showed about 71% of Hoosier voters uh, list Facebook as one of their main news sources. Jennifer Hollowell, does social media change people's mind or does it just provide reinforcement for supporters? Can I say both? I mean, I think it's a combination, really. And it is going to have a big impact in this race. And not just what they're posting, which, and the importance of that is they are controlling the message. They get to put out what they want to put out and put it in front of viewers. But also, we're going to see a lot of money spent in advertising on social media, much more than we used to. Online and it's starting to eat into TV advertising. Yeah, yeah. It, it shows up both on websites and on Facebook, Twitter, and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you can't be a candidate without this stuff. No, I think you have to do it, too. Um, and it's just, 
you know, it appeals obviously to a younger generation, but uh, you have to do a campaign I would, with it. And just say that when people say Facebook is one of the popular sources of news and information, keep in mind that that's usually a referral from a traditional news organization well, that's true. that, that's, that actually has ferreted out the right. information. <laughs> Finally, Colts punter Pat McAfee announced this week that he will sponsor Connor Daly in the Indy 500. McAfee's company, shirtsforamerica.com, will be the primary sponsor of the Indy 500 car. If you buy a shirt from the website, a portion of the proceeds will go toward Wish for Our Heroes, a foundation for veterans. A portion of those proceeds will also go to the Pat McAfee Foundation. Here's Daly, followed by McAfee. This is obviously really cool for us. Um, you know, we uh, are, are kind of our, our program, you know, we were obviously in for the season, but we had a, a gap here at the 500 that we had to fill. And, um, you know, it's been really tif- difficult to, to put, you know, the whole program together. But Pat came on board, and, and this is actually, like, it's a really cool idea, and it's a really cool thing that he's created here. In the past 20 years, there's only been five American winners at the Indy 500. And I think at the 100th running, it would be great to get number six, especially a kid from Indiana. And Delaney, what does Pat McAfee do better, kick a football or promote himself? <laughs> well, I don't think he's simply promoting himself. I mean, I think he's using, he's using his image and, frankly, cleaning up his image in a way that helps people, and that's a good thing. And you shouldn't make fun of him for that, Jim. No, I think he's a great self-promoter. He threw out the first pitch at a, a tin caps game in Fort Wayne this, this week, too. It's, uh, okay, so he can throw and he can kick. It's all good. Do you think the political campaign could be far behind? Let's start the rumor now. Do you you think that's laying the uh, foundation? He's making too much money doing what he's doing. Couldn't take the pay cut. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. 